When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We look back at the inaugural W Series season and its impact on women in motorsport. The much-vaunted all-female W Series concluded earlier this month at Brands Hatch after what to some might be a surprisingly successful first season. To tie in with this week's special Women in Motorsport edition of Autosport magazine, available now, we're going to take a look back at the first season on track, its impact off it, and the wider movement for female participation in motorsport. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me first is Autosports W Series correspondent Lucy Mawson, fresh from covering all six events. Seems to have gone very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, really quickly. It wasn't that long ago that I was here last time, um, and that was just after the first round at Hockenheim. So yeah, in sort of a flash, it's all over and the first year is done. We've now got a seven-month off-season before it gets started uh, again. But uh, yeah, as you say, I think it has been a very successful season, and everybody involved with the series can be you know, rightly quite proud that in spite of the criticism that they face, they have in fact... Uh, yeah, it's been incredibly successful. Yeah, it certainly achieved a credibility, you'd say. And we're also joined by Matt Beer. This is a momentous appearance for you because it's your first on the Autosport podcast since fatherhood. It is. And I, I uh, literally finished yesterday 
reading a W series feature, the one from the supplement, in fact, um, to my five-week-old daughter to uh, successfully send her to sleep without being sick. The going to sleep was a compliment. She's uh, she's generally her happiest when just about to fall asleep. And like uh, learning about Jamie Chadwick's breakthrough heroics was exactly what got in, into a serene position yesterday evening. So. Well, that's exactly what W Series should be achieving, <laughs> inspiring the next generation. Yeah. You've got to be careful about inspiring the next generation, though, because that can get expensive if participation is involved. Well, a number Not of... if they compete in W Series. Well, it's this, free. Yeah, I have thought yeah. of that. Yeah. My, my ambition for Bella's racing career was um, Castle Coombe Formula 4 champion, but that is a lot more expensive than um, yeah. W Series. So now I've just got to convince Bella to be a racing driver and her mum to think that's in, in any way acceptable career, and then we're, we're fine. There we go. You've got, you've got a plan there. W Series inspiring the next generations, even at that uh, that early age. That's that's job done from well, that perspective. Yeah. Ten minutes ago, my career plan for Bella was that she's going to be a DJ and a jazz saxophonist. So it's taken a bit of a twist in this conversation. But the the, the career aspirations do swing wildly at that that sort of age, don't they? Uh, five weeks. Yeah, exactly. So you got you got a few more weeks to uh, to decide and lock in. Although probably <laughs> probably schools testing will send down a path uh, in a, in a few months. Uh, well, let's actually get back to talking about W Series and and Lucy. What actually happened on track? Jamie Chadwick won the title. That's perhaps not a surprise. She was pre season favourite. Beat uh, former Red Bull Junior Bikes Gavissa and sometime GP three racer Alice Powell. So is, is Jamie Chadwick a, a worthy winner? Yeah, I think she's definitely a worthy winner. Though as when last time I was here, I, I talked about the display that she put on at Hockenheim, which was fantastically dominant. You know, she topped every session. She claimed pole and then she won the race. Um, I think at, I remember talking at that time and you know I guess we were all a little bit wary that if that was going to be the narrative for the whole season then that would be quite damaging to W Series you know if, if Chadwick had just run away with it but in fact she hasn't she was challenged obviously Visser won the next round at Zolder and the two of them went into a title fight sort of heading into Brands Hatch um, but actually I think um, and certainly sitting on uh, Brands on the Saturday and watching the practice pace and, and then watching qualifying on the Sunday morning actually I think we've been denied maybe a four way title fight this year and I think had um, certain technical issues or um, unfortunate like on track incidents affected Powell then she'd have very much been in the title fight she of course lifted and elevated herself to third in the championship with her win uh, at Brands but also Emma Kimmelainen who was involved in an accident uh, she was in, on the opening lap at Hockenheim and she uh, injured her neck which meant that she sat out of the Zolder and Masano rounds so obviously that that in a six race championship that really does kind of put the stoppers on a, a championship bid but she uh, since returning at the Norris Ring she's been incredibly impressive and she set all of the pace on Friday at Brands she won last time at Assen uh, and I think that had that not happened she'd have been in the fight as well so yeah if there were a few more races maybe Chadwick would have been challenged a little bit more yeah, it was, it was good that we saw variable results and that kind of thing. It's, it's interesting, actually, because you've got a couple of drivers there whose, whose careers have kind of been revived by it, haven't they? I guess Jamie Chadwick was in a reasonable position anyway, she's been talked about. But like Emma Kimmelainen, I remember her being talked about 10 years oh, ago. Yeah. As a, well, there, was, there were talk about her moving into DTM long term, yeah. and she was very well regarded. But now she's come she's come back and kind of re-established herself as a real driver. Obviously, Alice Powell hasn't done much over the past few years. So back in Amata Garcia after dropping out from the, it was the, low, uh, the Renault programme has, has kind of yeah. lost momentum and Bikes Gavissa as well. So it, it has actually injected some life into into careers that seem to have ground to not quite if not quite ground to a halt had lost most of their momentum yeah absolutely so that, that was that was um i've spoken about this before but that was one of the the things that w series wanted to do and kathy you speak to Catherine Bommier, she says that um you look at somebody like alice powell and that alice um 
she, you know, did have that break in her career for Bonmere. That was one of the main reasons why she wanted to set it up to give that second lease of life. And you know, Bonmere said that the moment that um, Alice got off the or Pal got off the podium uh, at Hockenheim, she was second, um, and she just like ran up to Bonmere and gave her a hug and said, "Thank you for giving me this feeling again and the opportunity to be on the podium and just to experience that." And it's amazing for any racing driver, I'm sure, but to have been denied it for sort of five years by you know a lack of funding or whatever, and not necessarily a gender reason but yeah it must be really special to be able to return and have that feeling um and that w series has given that to somebody i think that's you know you can't really knock that at all so, so overall if, if chadwick's a standout standout driver i guess it, it was interesting to to look at the the way it proceeded because the first few rounds you thought well a couple of wins in second place it's all going much as expected but there was a little bit of a a mini uh, i would call it a mini slump which is rather unfair third places aren't really a slump but it it does was there was that a question of chadwick underperforming or was it just the fact that you've got some high quality drivers at the front and on their day different drivers are ahead yeah i don't think it was um i don't think it was a, like you say third isn't really a slump in performance but i think the um emergence i guess of those new names like garcia at the norris ring and then kemaline and when she came back at assen i think you know, just the way that everybody and the trajectory that all of the drivers on the grid that have taken. Obviously, Chadwick at Hockenheimer and at the beginning of the season, it's so weird to talk about it in those terms because it's been so short, but um, she's had lots of single-seater experience. She was fresh from the MRF Challenge in the winter, so um, and she spoke about how that was so important to her to keep racing, and so she had much more um, experience and she was much more in tune, I guess, with what it was, but other drivers have had to have that time to develop and get a little bit more up to speed, and so I guess you got to that midpoint in the season and it, that's just how it happened naturally everybody sort of started to reach the same level as well of course at Brands it was the first time Chadwick hadn't actually finished on the podium oh yeah she was fourth um, she dropped back in the race she said in the uh, after the race that that could have been nerves potentially she felt a lot of pressure and just the you know desperation not to throw $500,000 away which, um, which she could have done she fought harder for the win um, but yeah she described the race as awful actually she was pretty mis- not miserable but uh, she wasn't very happy with the performance post brands despite winning the championship so yeah I guess uh, I don't think it was necessarily a slump in performance but more um, I guess a result of the way that everybody else has really got up to speed and been able to utilise the development and the kind of coaching and performance training that W Series offers them. Well, Matt, despite a few momentous life events for you, I guess you were following W Series, either watching the races or subbing reports when they when they came in, in amongst other things. So were you kind of engaged and drawn in by this this title? I was, I was sort of pleasantly surprised there was such a good fight in the end because it looked like early on, as we said, it might be a, a walkover. Yeah, I was I was really relieved as the season went on because that particularly the first day at Hockenheim when Chadwick's margin in, in the practice sessions was pretty huge. I was thinking, oh, I, I actually really want this series to succeed. And the last thing it needs is, is a runaway winner and then a bunch of other people who sceptics can look at and go, uh, she was rubbish and everything else she's done. And look, they're a second off Chadwick's pace. But as Lucy said, you had a lot of people in that field who hadn't been in single seaters for a while. Chadwick was very much up to speed. So the way they uh, they converged as the season went on was great. And um, I hadn't really thought to the start of this podcast, but yeah, a, a 10 or 11 race series with all those people kind of getting close together and a few more twists, um, that would have been really stunning, I think. I think it's... It, stopped a bit too soon to really for the narrative to really really kick off but it yeah it still ended up being a really exciting title fight i must admit i i made the mistake of when i when i read the qualifying report from brands i decided that w series finale would, would be the first um race i'd make my newborn daughter watch on television and i was like oh chadwick's on pole she's probably gonna run away with it i don't want bella's first race to be flat i'm i'll we'll save this and then it turned out to be a really good quite tense race so i was kicking myself for that afterwards and i'll have to show a rerun at some point but 
yeah, it turned it into a really exciting finale. Uh, you mentioned uh, Lucia Alice Powell. Obviously, she had that spell in the middle of the season with car problems that seemed to be holding her back. So, can can we put down her failure to contest contend for the championship just down to down to that? Uh, there were a few technical issues. Norris Ring, um, she well, she had an accident at Masana. She was taken out on the first lap. She qualified quite highly, but she was taken out on the first lap, and that was unfortunate. There was that it was great photos of quite an aerial accident that could have been quite big. Um, um, yeah, it was quite scary looking actually. So that obviously put her out for Masano. And then at the Norris Ring, she had an accident in the first free practice session. Um, she was actually taken to hospital. She um, sprained her wrist quite badly. She was able to come back and contest the second session and also qualifying. Um, but the second session, she obviously lost a lot of running in the morning. And then that was there was a, some issue with the car that afternoon. Qualifying actually went really well. Um, and she qualified um, fantastically. Um, all things considered but then in the race there was another technical issue um i can't remember off the top of my head exactly what it was but that had affected her and that took her out of contention for then as well so i guess that's two rounds and it, the same thing happened to kim Aline, well three for kim Aline, and because she lost hockenheim through at the dnf and then was unfortunately not able to contest zolder and masana at all so yeah i guess it's it's just a little bit of bad luck and i think without that that they'd have they'd have been at the front and there would have been that four-way fight which would have been absolutely fantastic for the series but as matt said i, I guess it kind of stopped even if that hadn't happened, it would have still stopped a little bit too soon to fully appreciate or to be able to benefit from that narrative that could have been created. Now, you did mention quite a large sum of money for the champion earlier. So yes. what's, what's the prize money situation? And what's are there any, because sometimes you do get conditions attached to attached to prize money about what you have to use it for in order for it to exist. But is this is this just a, a straight check for that for that amount? Yeah, and abs- how much have people got? Absolutely. So the total prize fund is $1.5 million, which would be quite nice. <laughs> um, and for first place, uh, so Chadwick has won $500,000 um, for her winning the championship. She can do with that whatever she would like to do, um, whether that's reinvest it in her racing care- career, which I imagine is probably what she will do. Um, and that would be the most sensible thing. But the prize money goes down to every single driver in the field, even reserve drivers that haven't scored points or haven't scored um, started a race. In terms of the distribution, it is pretty impressive. And as I say, you can use it for anything. Vicky Piria, who um, she was on the cusp, there was a kind of like a, a jeopardy fight that had been created where only the top 12 drivers in the championship are guaranteed seats for next year. Uh, that includes Chadwick. So should she want to, she can come back and contest next year and potentially win another 500,000, which would also be quite nice. Um, but yeah, so Piria going into Brands Hatch, she was kind of, she's in 10th place, but was kind of on the cusp of maybe dropping out of that top 12. But actually um, at Brands, she managed to elevate herself to ninth. And so for that, she'll win uh, $50,000. Um, she joked that she actually needs an actual car to drive around in, so that might be what she's using that one for. Um, you don't need but fifty yeah. grand for that. Yeah, she said sensibly. Yeah, it's quite a yeah. She said she wanted a Mini Cooper, um, was what she wanted, and then she'd invest the rest. But then she won a bit more, so I don't know. It, it's good, isn't it, Matt? But and this isn't to criticise the prize fund. It's a brilliant prize fund, way better than basically anything else. But if you've got five hundred thousand dollars, that's not enough to get you into Formula Three seat or. Only no. a fraction of say an, an F two C. I mean, I, again, I want to stress. I don't want to criticise the amount, but it kind of says it says a lot about the scale of the challenge. That oh, that's yeah, that's definitely. a not quite a drop in the ocean, but it's it's not it's certainly not the whole ocean. No, I think it's five hundred thousand is at least enough to make an impact on the budget for the next certainly, thing up. Yeah. It could it could be a it could be a difference maker. Whereas a lot of uh, championship prizes in the past really have been a drop in the ocean or they've been a test that won't go anywhere um this is at least a worthwhile sum yeah further down the field uh it's, it's fantastic that reserve driver gets seven grand but it's not going to do much for their um 
for their racing career. But it might but, pay a few bills and, yeah. you know, in, in some cases it'll help them live, won't it? Ultimately, oh, yeah. which is quite important. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we talked when we had the first podcast on this about how amazing it would be if the opportunities around W Series were just not, it wasn't just a single gender opportunity in some ways, but the this, this philosophy was rolled out to other junior single-seater series and you could get all this development thrown in and the the no teams car rotation engineer rotation ethos it's it's a brilliant way of of running a championship to develop people um but to get the funding behind behind to do something like this you you really need a big catchy idea and just a junior single-seater series without the element of yes this is going to be the groundbreaking women's series wouldn't have got that money behind it wouldn't have got that impetus so um, I'm sure people listening to this will go, there's so many underfunded, talented male drivers out there who need 500 grand um, and help from hints of performance and all these opportunities who won't have got it. But that's that's also not really the point. Are there any drivers who've caught your eye with their improvement over the year, even if their overall results weren't necessarily anything anything special anyone else coming up on the rails yeah I think um, there are a few drivers in, there isn't really a midfield as such because of course it's all the same car but there are definitely a few drivers um, in the midfield that were consistently um, consistently there or thereabouts and always scoring points and you know people like Tasman Pepper and Miki Koyama they have done fantastically I think just, just to prove that they're really good names um, for the series Fabian Volvend who said um, took pole at Masano. she um has always been round about the sharp end and i think she'd be one to watch if she returns to the series next year as well uh, but also i really think it's worth mentioning megan gilks who was obviously involved in the opening lap crash uh, at hockenheim she um she's the youngest driver on the grid and she held her hands up and sort of took responsibility for that accident and but she actually won a race she won the reverse grid non-championship race at Assen. so i think for her to have gone from sort of crashing at hockenheim and then um you know she has been at the back of the field for the for the duration of the races and she was actually dropped um at the Norris ring she was um, dropped into a reserve position W Series reserves the right to evaluate driver performance throughout the whole year and they took her out for Kessley um, so I think to have gone through all of that to sort of been right at the back and to um, have struggled I guess to adapt and to get onto the, the level that is Formula 3 um, for her to come uh, out at Assen and there were no championship points of course she started on pole by virtue of the fact that she was at the bottom of the championship but for her to come out and win that which I don't know whether you've seen the race but it was really like probably one of the best races that I've ever seen um, and it wasn't just as if she led the race she led it under like intense pressure and for it to be the first time she'd ever done that I think that's really fantastic and for her to have just got that confidence boost and she said that you know that was a real a boost for her and I think that's really important as well so I, I would say she was the most surprising um, I don't think anybody expected her to be standing on the top step on that Sunday morning and I guess that that non-championship win should work quite well for her in terms of getting in yeah, again, again next year. of course she she didn't make the top 12 and so she she will have to re-enter the selection process which is yet to be announced but I would say so um, and I think she surprised quite a few people by her performance that day so it should stand her in good stead uh, in terms of returning next year which she seemed quite keen to do so well, we should touch on the uh, the thorny issue of reverse grids Matt because that's a it's a, it's a, a popular topic to be derided and but it, but it is an interesting one and that was a, a fascinating case study you then ended up with a with a fight between one of the front runners is Alice Powell, wasn't it, who just missed out on catching her, and Megan Gilks, who started at the front, excuse me, so and then you, they were able to have a, a proper battle between yeah. them. So it, it tells you that that wasn't wasn't a gifted win. 
in the end, and it, it's just a slightly it's just slightly modifying the definition of a, a race, isn't it? it? Really is. It, I think it was brilliant. It it showed Gilk showed really good racecraft and skill to hold off the driver she was holding off under that pressure, and someone who'd been qualifying at the back all season didn't have the experience of everyone else around her. It just the way she raced at Aston on the Sunday showed that. Just that pure one lap pace that was holding her back the rest of the season. That wasn't the be all and end all. That's not everything there is to a racing driver's craft. And someone at a young age with an experience can show real wheel to wheel skill and still need a bit more time to refine other element, elements of their game. And like, like I was saying a minute ago about how lots of things W Series have done are a, a good model for what a junior series should be. Throwing in some reverse championship order grids or a few random grids at particular rounds or even having a format where you have one of those every weekend. I think that's a great thing for driver development. Okay, F2 and everything have top eight reversed, but... I I don't like that because of the oblique difference between eighth and ninth in the the feature race. I think that's two... That that means that for a very very small difference in performance, one's massively advantaged. Yeah, completely. The the other one isn't, whereas a complete inversion is... Yeah. I've always... If you're going to do that with a grid, I've always thought, do it championship reversed or do it complete random and just see what comes out. Um... So yeah, that or or yeah, do it. Ran, have two races, random grid, and reverse the random grid, so it's fair for for the second. Um, I'm a big fan of that sort of thing, and I think more series doing that would would really be excellent. Is there any chance, Lucy, of of this reverse grid concept becoming an integral part? Because it was kind of a, a bit of a random bolt on, wasn't it? It wasn't originally in the plan. It was an extra race at Aston, but after this experiment could we see it repeated and could we see it integrated into the championship proper yeah it, it was a complete experiment and they have openly admitted that that it, it was a total experiment they just wanted to see what it would be like and obviously it did prove to be successful the social media reaction to it was amazing there were people talking about it in in terms of formula one which i think is is you know for the season in its a series in its first season um is particularly impressive in terms of what it's going to do uh, moving forward um one of the big things that W Series has to consider that I guess um, other sing- uh, junior single-seater categories of a similar ilk don't need to is the television deal and how important and what key role that has played in itself in making W Series a success this year. Um, obviously, it's televised live on Channel 4. It's got um, the Saturday afternoon slot that you know would have been Formula 1 qualifying perhaps last year. Um, and so I think Catherine Bormier said that she is particularly that they seem a little bit reluctant to go for a two race format I guess you know most like F2 you've mentioned they have a second race that is reversed or a little bit more randomised but they seem to be a little bit reluctant to do that because of the impact that that would have on their television deal of course it, it's unlikely that for what is essentially a startup and an F3 level that they would get two days maybe of that that live um, window on, on terrestrial television um, but also I guess um, the reverse grid was incredibly important um, exciting and was successful in terms of that but for a series that's also had criticism of being a little bit gimmicky I guess there is a risk that if it were to adopt a reverse grid solely as that, that its only format was to be you know every single race would be a reverse grid I, I think that that would maybe not um they would maybe not help on that front and those accusations could perhaps um but then I, I guess if you wanted to you know prove another point they've proved a lot of points with what they've done this year so you know maybe wait and see and maybe it will be a success and and they'll be proved wrong on that front too well i think w series has been so brilliantly brazen about what it's doing differently that it should just if if it wants to stick to one race 
go for it. Go random with grids, go reverse grid, go different format every weekend and just say, we're developing a whole package. We're training drivers holistically. They've got to deal with all these circumstances. Uh, to be honest, qualifying is a really, really important skill as well. I would hate to see that entirely removed from what it takes to succeed in any championship. But to have some races that are just reverse format, great. I'd, I'd be all for that. You can maybe vary it ultimately. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And uh, you'd hope that maybe they could do a few more races even next year. I'm not sure. Obviously, it'll depend on the financial situation. Any chance of more races? Uh, I think they're very happy with their current agreement with the DTM and the DTM are very happy with W Series. So I would say moving forward, they're likely to expand but i would say within the the dtm calendar they're looking at expansion sort of further afield as well but um yeah i think for for next year certainly i would not be surprised by expansion within the dtm calendar whether that's the entire dtm season or or just a couple more to take it up to sort of well i guess the dtm's only 11 rounds anyway so um it wouldn't be yeah but yeah. but without going too far down the reverse grids rabbit hole cause it's quite an interesting debate i'm not a big fan of lottery for the simple reason that a lottery can be inequitable over a, over a season, particularly if it's a small number of races. But no short oval racing does it. Serious short yeah. oval racing, national hot rods in the UK, that kind of thing. You yeah, know, absolutely. That's, that's, not, that's not banger racing, that, that's serious stuff. And it's that modifying the definition of, of what it takes to win. And I actually think if, if you rerun this championship with complete reverse grids, you'd have probably had a very similar outcome in terms of, I don't think you'd have had, Megan Gilt's necessarily winning every, <laughs> every single race, not least because uh, you quite quickly lose that pull advantage. So it is an interesting, it's an interesting little little case study, and I do, it's, I, it's I, I respect the series for for doing something like that. And also, it's no more crazy as a as a concept than fan boost or DRS or anything else that's just a kind of let's let's bend the natural course of this sporting contest to make something more interesting happen i guess it's like an entertainment versus sporting um it's still a sport at the end of the day but they want people to watch it on television they want somebody to turn it turn the television over on a saturday afternoon and think oh that's really interesting and i think this is uh, something that everyone's faced a lot this year and you know we, we've spoken about so, so many times how boring it was and anybody that was the french grand prix nobody was going to be engaged with that at all as a casual viewer but for w series they do want that casual audience and so doing something different and so it is exciting and the more dramatic and you know maybe that's you know there has to there's a fine line to balance between entertainment and sport but i think so far it's been doing it and if reverse grid is the way forward then i don't see why that would be a problem an interesting balance for them to strike so in terms of, of next year what, what's jamie chadwick going to be doing uh, she didn't know when we um, spoke to her on Sunday she was very coy and admitted it is only August I guess so um, it's very early on in the year for anybody to make any decisions um, W Series is eligible for super license points next from next year um, we don't know how many that will be yet it's still subject to sort of FIA approval but it will have super license points awarded um, I don't know whether that will be from 1st to 10th or, or, or what exactly the um, allocation will be there um, and obviously uh, Chadwick has just signed um, in a development role for the Williams Formula 1 team which hints at you know potentially free practice outings being on the horizon one day so you can um, hit that lower threshold so exactly. Fridays so um, super license points are obviously absolutely paramount to her and to, to move and switch focus to to a, a ascending uh, on the single seat ladder then I, I think it would be probably sensible to maybe come back to a series where she's proven that she can win and she can pick up those super license points that will help her out um, on that front there'd be no harm in doing that um, even if the calendar did expand and it was the full DTM they don't clash with it doesn't clash with a lot of other things so I think that would be a sensible option for her and certainly one that she said that she'd explore 
So I guess it seems a reasonable assumption that of those drivers who've qualified as top 12, I think you said, they will pretty much all be back. I would imagine so, unless yeah. Unless they've got windfalls from somewhere else that means they can go and do something, <laughs> yeah. something more mainstream at risk of using that word. Yeah, I can't see any reason for, for people not to want to return. Yeah, there is no reason to not want to return. Essentially, it's a it's a, it's a chance to race in a very is becoming quite a high profile series, completely for free to to have a chance at those super license points, to have a chance that you know maybe prize money that can't make a massive difference, but it's prize money nonetheless, and every little helps, I guess. Um, so yeah, I I think I would imagine most of those, or I would be surprised if most of those twelve drivers didn't return next year, uh, and even some of the ones below that. 12th threshold um i'd be surprised if some of them didn't uh, make it through selection as well and alice powell's already got a job out of this yes she has um so she it was announced that she will be going to america and she's driving in the imsa championship um which is amazing and i think that's you know that's something that has come as a result of her success in w series yeah that's going to be the ultimate uh the ultimate test really of w series isn't it it's when drivers get into other categories and use this as a, as a springboard for a for a, I was going to say, proper career, dangerous, but you know, a, a mainstream career, a, a kind of paid professional career that's sustainable for twenty years or whatever. This, this is, yeah, Powell going somewhere else, Chadwick coming back, but using as a route to try to get somewhere else. I do think that's still important because, as much as this top twelve comeback is is great, I like the jeopardy that created around the battle for twelfth around brands. As much as the fact it's fully funded is absolutely brilliant. The, most of the criticism of this series at the start was it's going to segregate women into racing by themselves in their own championship. And uh, I, you know, I've been a fan of this series from the start. And I, as soon as I saw the concept, it was much more about saying women have spent decades being told they can't be racing drivers. So we're going to try and redress the balance by focusing purely on them and giving them this amazing development opportunity. I was like, great. It, they're going to do W Series as a way of going somewhere else, better prepared, having kind of made up for unfair patriarchal dominance. Fantastic. But if it's encouraging people to keep coming back and keep coming back and not necessarily look somewhere else, then it could end up creating the sort of segregated monster that its critics have said it is and its supporters, me included, have said, no, it definitely isn't. So... Yeah, it's got to. It was interesting, Gerhard Berger saying a few weeks ago that as well as keeping W Series on the DTM bill, they should be looking at more ways to make W Series a route into DTM drives as well and to be giving tests to some of the star drivers from it at, at the very least, um, which would be, you know, DTM did have a, have a habit of having female drivers a few years ago, but it always looked, from, I wasn't in that paddock, but it always looked from the outside as though they certainly weren't very high up the equipment pecking order and it was just a token gesture. Yeah, it's still got to be. It, it can't just be a, even if it's a very well-organized, uh, well-run, lucrative cul-de-sac, it can't be a cul-de-sac. It's got to be a route into other parts of motorsport as well. And I guess the, the difficulty there that's kind of outside of it is it, it is kind of a, it's, a, it's an almost a branch line, isn't it, in, in junior single-seaters. It's not, it doesn't fit in the, the kind of orthodox ladder. So from that, in that respect, it is, there's an automatic disadvantage there, I guess, in that it does kind of just fundamentally exist off the, off the beaten track. Yeah, I think I think that's true, and it's a very valid point, and it's certainly something that it, it it should be wary of, and it would be 
terrible and it would be a bad thing if it did in fact end up sort of siphoning off just those 12 drivers and sort of excluding them completely into W Series but also again um, I guess coming back to it this is only the end of its first year it's been six races which is so tiny and mini and you know sometimes you know they've admitted that that they didn't really know what was going to happen and that it has been so successful is a you know a very pleasant surprise to them as well Um, so I guess next year I think maybe for some um, certainly those of those 12, the midfield, so Miki Koyama, Tasman Pepper, um, Fabienne, Volvend, for them to come back and establish themselves a little bit more, um, because we don't know whether Chadwick will come back next year, but there also needs to be sort of a, a next person as well. Um, so for them to be able to nurture, I guess, um, and to line up the next Chadwick who will go on to be the next and, and to move that way, I think that's equally as important. But obviously, you know, the risk does exist that it, it's going to segregate, which I think they're probably aware of. And, you know, I, I can't speak for the, but I, I'm sure there'd be something that, or I'd, I would hope there'd be something sort of afoot to, to ensure that that doesn't in fact happen. The other thing on that front, though, is that, as single-seater fans, you get used to thinking if you're not moving on somewhere, you failed. Um, when when Autosport first started covering MotoGP a decade ago, and I was very rapidly learning about motorcycle racing and realized that people spend whole careers in what was then 125 and 250 and is now Moto3 and Moto2. And it may be less so these days, but you, know, you can you can become a legend at a slightly different level in motorbike racing without feeling like if you haven't got to MotoGP, your career's failed. So... You know, you could see W Series in a few years' time having career W Series drivers who race in it for uh, for forever and become established stars in it. Well, other people kind of pass through on the way to, you know, hopefully eventually F1 and, and definitely professional careers um, in different championships. Well, we have kind of drifted on to the next topic, which is about how successful W Series has been in its broader aims, outreach, that kind of thing. I must admit, I mean, you, you said, Matt, that you're a fan of the series from, from when it first started. I was, I must admit, quite sceptical when it was first announced because I'm... Uh, not keen on the segregation idea and always felt that it's you want to encourage female participation but then by the time it started you'd seen how it was working and the impact it was having kind of made me realize that almost I was I was kind of sitting over there at step three thinking this is where it should be but didn't realize maybe that we did need this interim step and that's kind of what I see W series as it's kind of a shot in the arm for female participation it's a it's a real beacon for it and then it it opens up people to people understanding it's not just drivers. There's all sorts of uh, women working professionally in motorsport, and it it just means that the door isn't closed off to those on the outside more than more even than on the inside of, of motorsport. And that seems to be reflected in certainly the reaction at Brands Hatch, yeah, to, to the season finale. Yeah, it was fantastic to be there. The atmosphere was just incredible, and you know, as a, like a, a motorsport fan first and foremost, it was it was really exciting to see so many people experiencing what was motorsport for the first time, and that's really exciting. Um, w Series announced just before Brands that they were inviting a hundred young girls from the uh, youth group, um, London Youth, aged between thirteen and nineteen, and they were going to give them the full VIP um, experience and access to hospitality, to the grandstands, to be able to talk to the engineers. Um, and they put on kind of like a, a festival event, I guess. And that's giving um, whether they decide that they love motorsport now or whether it was just a, a fun sort of weekend out. That's giving people who otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity um, to have anything to do with motorsport. It's no secret that motorsport is quite a... Um, 
elite thing and I think that's that's the case whether you're a fan look how expensive it is to go to a, a Grand Prix or even to even to get into DTM at the weekend it was what 40 pounds a ticket which there are reasons for that and that's fine but for somebody that just wants to pop along and have a look then I guess that's not um that kind of precludes a lot of that so for WCS to invite those people and to just to see those girls that were having such a great time in, in an environment they otherwise wouldn't have had any access to um, maybe that will trigger something maybe one of them will decide that they want to be a race engineer maybe not a race driver but a race engineer or to work in PR or work with a team or, or be a journalist or something like that and to give somebody the chance to do that I think is really important and I think that's the bigger image and I think that's what it means potentially more than oh look we've got a, it's important to go home into Formula One but I think getting that wider representation and that sort of bringing those equality levels up is the most important thing and um, for me anyway that's why that's why I'm supportive of it and why I think it's a positive movement. That word representation does seem to be the most important thing about W Series and actually it's a word that I do think gets slightly misunderstood and particularly should we say from people who perhaps don't need to benefit from that and that's obviously people like myself and Matt we grew up watching people who are a bit like us driving racing cars whereas maybe for a girl growing up it's slightly different and it's quite different it's more difficult for I guess us to really relate to the power of that representation you can see it and understand it but I think what W Series has helped to hit home is just how profound that impact really can be yeah absolutely um as i say it was it was just really lovely to see that and to see them see girls enjoying themselves and be a part of something that is quite new and it's exciting and it's a little bit different it's not how things have been done before it's not um entirely sort of focused on or built around very rich white men um you know i think that was and that's an important thing and that's part of maybe a cultural what i perhaps naively hope is a cultural shift sort of generally but um certainly if w series fits into that and this is its moment and that's lucky in some ways i guess that it's come at that moment um but yeah so i just think the reaction at brands from people who are who wouldn't have otherwise been there was was really special um and something that i think proves that there's a reason for doing this and, and would have proved that for anyone involved well matt as a very rich white man <laughs> Uh, that's you're, you're the closest thing we've managed to uh, bring together. Um, it is interesting when you see this reaction. There is a certain kind of threat level almost to the the group you are currently representing. If, if you see what I mean, you do, you do see that a little bit on social media. But it is an interesting undercurrent that kind of seems to emerge from these these sorts of things. I, like I said, I can understand why people were sceptical about W Series when it when it started. I was for reasons I initially outlined, and also I was. I was sceptical as I am about all new series because <laughs> and it most all, things in life well you have to be but it all depends on the money being there ultimately the money yeah. is what oh, makes, makes it happen the idea can be great and you can sell that idea but in itself you need you need the funding so my general suspicions about a new series uh, oh, yeah. factor was as was, soon as was the exciting well. new series gets announced you think is this going to fall over before yeah, it starts I mean, so once... we've both written countless oh, new, gosh, yeah. all encountered so many <laughs> series that, that were meant to happen but in terms of that that almost to me, the fact there has been a certain amount of negative reaction shows why it's important. I've, I've really enjoyed having W Series creating a very big excuse to put some faces on the Autosport homepage that weren't white men or Lewis Hamilton, and just to to have more, yeah, more a more diverse look to what we've been doing has been has been fantastic. Um, we've been doing a bit of work with the new Racing Pride organisation this year, and as part of that, we uh, uh, Lucy did an interview with Sarah Moore about about her sexuality. And so we had that topic and a woman racing driver on the homepage one morning. I was thinking, I, I suspect a few people are looking at this in despair 
and that actually pleases me. Well, I think it's I actually think it's important. I'm sort of harking back to when I was editor of Autosport magazine, and I did think this kind of thing was important. You've almost got to kind of be a a force for for change and and good, and it's good for motorsport. The more people you get involved, the better. But things like the women in motorsport issue, and obviously the Danny Watt story, which also got a, it wasn't the main cover thing, but it got it got a slot. I always took some satisfaction from that because it it feels like we're at you know you're trying to make a small contribution to making a little bit of a difference and just opening opening doors a little bit more. We did get a little bit of I remember the women in motorsport issue. The first one we did, we had some negative reaction. Sort of why is this necessary? And but I did also see sort of positive reaction. It did seem to have a, a small uh, a small positive positive impact. But it it is. But this does reflect a wider societal change. That this these topics were not talked about ten years ago, really, and now it's a it's a huge thing, and it it's kind of it's almost like society kind of trying to grow up, isn't it? And then we see that pushback, which you're seeing in wider in politics and yeah, everything. Yeah. The pushback to that evolution, um, and so I mean, it makes it quite a big a big kind of battleground. And although in some ways you feel a little bit disappointed that there's so much pushback to it, maybe this is a process that needs to happen before we get to that stage three that I talked about, <laughs> kind of later on when people are, are okay with this. Yeah, I think, yeah, being slightly flippant, yes, it was, it's was. it been pleasing to put some different faces and some di- and tackle some different issues on the homepage. And if that has wound a few people up, yeah, the mistress part of me finds that quite amusing. But that is a much smaller issue than, it's just that it's the right thing to be doing to be making people feel like there's no gender, sexuality, racial reason why you cannot be involved in or following motorsport. I mean, Ed, you've probably also been in meetings in, in your career where people have talked about marketing and, and been like, there's no point targeting women with any of this because women won't be reading autosport anyway. They're not interested in motorsport. Or we need some more women readers. Let's, you know, let's write about lifestyle thinkers, things because girls don't understand news. You know, I've, I've that that is a claim yeah. that I have heard in the past. Yeah, with, uh, people who are no longer around. Yeah, uh, in, advocating. Yeah, precisely. And and I, do, I just don't agree with it. No. I think, again, it's like anything. Any any group, you know, the group of women is about is fifty percent of the world basically. So yeah. that's a that's a huge, a hugely diverse section. So not all of them are going to be interested in, in motorsport, no, but it's, but if, it's if about not writing yeah, <laughs> writing if, off that interest. If you're saying literally half the world's population, this is not for you, then you're limiting the potential of this thing you're involved in, whether that is motorsport or a publication writing about motorsport. So you have to look wider. You have to make people feel like they have got home in what you're doing and that you're not excluding them and only focusing on a you know, half of society. So is it enough, Lucy? Do you judge what the the, the wealthy white middle class <laughs> that myself and Matt represent on this podcast? Are, are, are we just thinking this is all great, we're doing very well, or is, is it... Is it enough? Which I know is a broad question, but it's an interesting question. A, a, an interesting question for me um, because I I found autosport because my family have an interest in motorsport, and it was kind of inevitable. Inevitable, and we spoke about that last time I was on the podcast. But I bought autosport because I wanted to read autosport, and I visited autosport.com because I wanted to, and I read about it, and I enjoyed Formula One, and it had nothing to do with anything that you really needed to change, I guess, in terms of attitude um then that's that's a wider thing but in terms of actual editorial content or what's produced it didn't ever i if you like it you're always gonna i guess there's nothing like making the homepage pink isn't gonna that wouldn't make a difference yeah. or um to me you know i openly like I like other things outside of most sport I really enjoy fashion and culture and that kind of stuff but if I wanted to read about that I buy Vogue magazine every month i don't I don't need to get that from 
a publication that's specifically about motorsport because that's what I come to because I like motorsport and I you know I'm lucky enough to work this side of the fence now and can see that but I for me um and that might just be my opinion but there's no real reason to change anything in terms of what we produce as long as we've got that representation like you like you said we've got those different faces on the home page or on the covers of magazines then that's that's all that's important and that'll help sort of a I guess get more women involved I guess it's symbolically open making sure that the doors are clearly open yeah exactly just opening them and saying and not advertising it if you like so that's again representation isn't it and I'm really intrigued to see what happens next year because I hope this isn't just novelty value I hope people are genuinely inspired by this but the the numbers that W Series stories have been doing on autosport.com have been absolutely phenomenal. Okay, not F1 level, obviously, but often second best after F1. You know, the figures on the race report for Brands Hatch were way ahead of what the DTM race reports got. And, were, you know, that, that clashed with the, the best MotoGP race of the season with Davizioso snatching it from Marquez at the final corner. And um, more people read about Jamie Chadwick's um, success than they, they read about that race on Autosport. And I think that's fantastic. It's only really with time that you see what the long-term impact is. And ultimately, the, the thing that will, that will show there's been an impact will be increased participation as, as drivers. And I always just think of it as people seeing that the door the doors are open and that those who never get necessarily near to motorsport aren't put off it before they've even had the chance, I guess, is the, it is, is the key. I didn't realise about the, the youth group being invited. I think that is a really important thing because maybe one criticism of W Series compared to other female motorsport initiatives like all the work Susie Wolf's been doing is that Dare to be Different has made a real effort to go, you can be an engineer, you can do this, you can be part of any branch of motorsport and its events have been geared towards lots of different routes into into the sport whereas W Series has been very much find a female driver, we'll find a lot of female drivers. And may, maybe, you know, that's that in itself, if a young girl sees girls winning races, they automatically think motorsport is something I could be involved in at whatever level. But the fact that if W Series is doing a few more things to go beyond the driving element and go actually, you know, you can be part of anything in this paddock, I think that'll be important for its impact long term as well. I think actually that youth outreach is important just for motorsport as a whole. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it is kind of a, a slightly ageing sport, shall we say. And yeah. it's obviously the the battle to, to remain relevant and relatable for, for people is is becoming harder to win nowadays. So that in that regard, it's, it's positive. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess that's what that I was trying to uh, allude to. I think it is important to capture that, that young audience and, and people that, you know, that they fall outside motorsports demographic. Um, the demographic that Bernie Eccleston was so fond of sort of chasing after. The um, exactly. Who <laughs> helicopters in from Exeter every morning to the office <laughs> or, um, <laughs> You swan in here from your country house. So important. So important. <laughs> you see, you've not become representative of, of, of a group that you really, really aren't very representative of, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. So, well, again, this sort of touched on some of the topics, but we, as we mentioned, this week's Allsport magazine is a Women in Motorsport special. Jamie Chadwick on the cover, and it's it's four years after we did that first special edition, which was fronted by Susie Wolf. How much has changed since then? I work here now. <laughs> there we go. Um, we, we've ticked that box, so we, we win. <laughs> we, we move on. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of self-indulgently. Um, four years ago, that um, issue was the first ever autosport I got my byline in. It was from a, um endurance racing report at Donington um, for the 360 Motor Club. Um, I don't know whether that even still exists anymore. Can you remember who won? 
Oh yes, must Nigel Mustill. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he won one of the races. I can't remember who won the second, um, but yeah, so I do remember. Um, I can't remember who won the first race I covered. I can remember there being a lot of fire involved. It was a, oh wow! You know, Mine was Helmut Holfeld in British Rallycross at Anglesey in July '98. Showing your aging in there. <laughs> anyway, we've, we've digressed about that. Yeah, back to the back to the question. Um, what was the question? It was some, something about yeah, how much has changed in the last four how years? How much has changed? Other than you working here? Other than uh, yeah, so I guess self indulgently, it's just quite nice for, for me to and from a personal perspective to say that I wrote the cover for for this one, and that's really exciting. And if you've read the feature, you know my. I put a, a concluding point in there that I think in spite of things and there are still lots of things that are very very hard about being a woman in motorsport and that's for everybody um, but I think it is a really exciting time to be here and it really does feel like in perhaps the, the next four years we won't need to have an issue that's for women in motorsport because it will just be just normal and completely and that's really important um and so yeah it's uh it does feel like a good time and kind of uh like some sort of momentum is gathering pace in terms of what we can do and the changes that we can make so yeah i guess that fits in well with the rest of the world as well doesn't it that's, well uh, yeah it's, it's the right time yeah definitely i i uh again speaking personally this feels like quite an optimistic time to bring a daughter into the world compared to you know decades ago definitely um it is interesting that it doesn't seem like four years ago since that issue. At the time, Ed, me and you were quite often crashing in the same travel lodge while being semi-homeless. And one of the, but one, you're so rich. How did that happen? Before you became a billionaire. <laughs> okay. So much abuse today. Nothing wrong with being, I don't, nothing wrong I don't being a billionaire. don't get sleep anymore. This is, this is, this is tantamount to bullying. Um, <laughs> Yeah, one of, the, one of the first conversations we had after you got the mag editorship was you saying from the start, I'm going to do a women issue, women on the cover, we're going to do it properly, not as a token thing, we're going to show this is what this is how motorsport should be going. And in the few years since, I probably had actually thought back to that issue a few times and thought, not really a lot has changed, not thinking that one issue we did was going to change everything, but 2015 did feel like progress was being made, and I was like, actually... It's a very different time, 2015 in the world, wasn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> The world did turn evil in 2016, so that probably got in the way a little bit. But um, I do think W Series has actually made a really big contribution by whether it's the right concept or the wrong concept. It's come along as a massive presence, doing something really attention-grabbing with its pastel colour palette and its... It's equal- not pastel. Is it? Oh, okay. no, I would object to that being pastel, <laughs> but that's, that's a personal, you know, that's a personal preference. I think it's, it's, it's fuchsia. Fuchsia is not pastel. She's in one of the pink homepage, but she has turned our rotor pastel shades since she started working here. So. It's beautiful, Ed, and I really appreciated that you filled it in because, <laughs> I like in the rotor, honestly, that... I really felt like I'd made it as it was like you you sort of filled in from something that I'd suggested. Thought, I mean, the oh roads may bear no resemblance to where I am or what I'm doing, but at least... <laughs> but it's pretty, so <laughs> please take that out. That's good. This is people seeing behind the, the curtain of the organisation, but it has a purpose because it's fun, It's more functional than the rubbish but, one you created. Yeah, mine was too day glow. Yours, yours was too, just a bad spreadsheet. <laughs> Uh, just, uh, wow! I've, t- I've touched another, but it had the information. Yeah. <laughs> Needs to be instantly digestible and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think we, I think we're revealing too much behind the curtain. Here, really, aren't we, about, anyway, about my point work. was. Oh, there was a point. There yes. was a point. W Series coming along and doing everything it's done in such an attention-grabbing, controversial way, whether it's right or wrong, has massively catalyzed bringing the women in motorsport debate right back to the forefront. And you know, we've 
you saw the reaction the brands had. I think the DTM needs W Series maybe more than W Series needs DTM now. It's it's made an impact. It's start, it's not just started a conversation. It's it's made women being racing drivers much more of an everyday thing already. I would say, and yeah, that's mega. I, I agree. I don't want to have to do another special issue. I don't want to have to do another special cover. I want us to this to just be facts that you buy Autosport or go to autosport.com and you read about both men and women as standard every day of the week forever. Yeah, that's a good uh, a good aspiration to have. And uh, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because it has taken such a long time. I mean, in the in the special magazine, there's a an article on Elizabeth Unak who raced in the twenties and uh, uh, yeah, very very quick driver and. So there always have been women around, but never kind of this this focal point, I guess, of a single a single championship. So I guess that that's kind of a, a force for consolidation as well of that. And it is it is weird how and the other things in the supplement and features we're running online cover this as well. But it's weird how, in some ways, well, the world has gradually got better for equality through the decades and quite a steady curve in a way. Motorsport did almost go backwards. It was more common to see female competitors and and you know we had michelle mouton being a world rally championship um star at the start of the 80s and that sort of thing um you know we have much we have more women racing in f1 in the 70s than we have done since then and yet you look back at the 70s as a kind of um gaudy carry-on film in 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 its attitudes to women now i would say not that i was there because i'm not that old despite previous conversations suggestions but not even 40. <laughs> you Not made your quite. fortune really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what you've done. We'll, uh, we'll have to reveal how you did it shortly. Um, a series Next of, episode. A, yeah. a series of lottery wins. Yeah, that's, I guess that'd be the, 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 the most likely way of, uh, of, of doing it. But yeah, it is interesting. We have seen other things going on because actually the, the issue covers... Uh, you know, it covers women in drag racing. And, uh, Le Mans, who had the all-female uh, team at, the, at Le Mans this year. And then, of course... Jamie Chadwick being being up at the uh, having sort of a little foothold in Formula One with with that drive, and I guess that's the thing that everyone wants to look for is the kind of the the big lining rod, which would be a female Formula One driver, which needs to kind of happen organically and on on, on merit, I guess, rather than through um, sort of that positive discrimination, if if you like. But that would probably be the moment where the needle moves the most, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. And that's that's completely fair. Um, speaking to David Coulthard at the weekend, and he said that, um, but at the, like, regardless of what happens sort of moving forward, any driver right now who wants to get to Formula One has to think that they're capable of competing with Max Verstappen. And that's a really terrifying prospect, I think, for anybody. So, yeah, it, absolutely. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So I think it does have to happen completely, um, completely organically and completely naturally. But there's no harm in like vitamins, I guess. There's no harm in helping things at all. W series is a vitamin. Vitamin W. We can end it here. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, a good, that's a good analogy. I, like, I, like, I always like to end on a, on a good analogy. Uh, but yeah, do, do check out that uh, issue of Autosport magazine with Jamie Chadwick on the cover and Lucy's excellent uh, excellent lead feature. Uh, well, do check out autosport.com for all the latest on W Series, Formula One, the whole world of motorsport and our plus subscriber area for some more in-depth stuff if that is your thing and as I say Autosport magazine's out every Thursday currently the Women in Motorsport special check out sister titles motorsport.com F1 Racing magazine out monthly and also Motorsport News out every Wednesday and also if you enjoy the podcast do remember to subscribe and like it on whatever platforms liking has to be done we're normally out every Monday and Thursday thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast (laughs) 
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.